Welcome back to the ZipRecruiter Locked On NBA Mock Draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Use ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Hi, I'm David Locke, host of the show. Brandon Clean is our draft analyst, also host of Locked On Suns and writer for Fansided. We've got Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated giving the breakdowns of each and every player that gets drafted. Major moves get done. We'll go check in with our NBA experts across. And most importantly, we've got the local experts, the Locked On Podcast Network, in their draft rooms, making the picks, analyzing their team. Major trade rumors are flying. It's really interesting because this is not known as a great draft. But I would, and there's been a lot of talk that ah, it's not that big a difference between 8 and 25 and things like that. That, I think, is coming out to be true in our mock draft, Brandon, because there's some interesting names that are still left on this board. For sure. Rui Hachimura is the guy we've we've hit on several times in our past episodes. P.J. Washington, we just continue to see them fall, and I think they're both players who, uh, just because of the reputation out of big programs, big level of production, I would have expected to go higher, but you know, potentially we are seeing how real draft night could play out with teams locking into a player that they prefer and sticking with it. So also seems to be a lot of emphasis on length in the in what our guys have done, length and athleticism. I wonder if the switching world of the NBA is impacting that in some way. Has to be. I mean, you see little Kevin Porter Jr., Matisse Thibel, all players who went a little bit higher than I maybe expected them to, and all of them fit the bill of, of players who you could really see defending multiples, multiple positions at the NBA level. Uh, the real draft has started to show that in recent years, and I think this one will be just the same. On the board right now, the 19th pick, San Antonio. Boston has the 20th pick. If you missed it earlier, they traded for Anthony Davis, acquiring Anthony Davis in exchange for Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, and the future Memphis pick. Then picking will be Oklahoma City at 21, though we're hearing heavy rumors that they want to use that pick to clear some of their luxury tax problems. Boston is, uh, Phoenix, excuse me. No, Boston is sitting at 22. Boston sitting at 20, excuse me. Sacramento at 20, or, excuse me, Utah at 23. And Philadelphia is at 24. Again, the 19th pick is on the board right now with San Antonio. Boston at 20. Oklahoma City at 21. Boston at 22, Sac, uh, Utah is at 23 with this, and the 24th pick is the Philadelphia 76ers. What is the top five guys on your board right now? I, it's it's going to be P.J. Washington. I, I really like Grant Williams, Tyler Hero, Cameron Johnson, and the, the big man from overseas, Goga Batadze. I think he's a guy... We will uh, start to wonder about here coming up soon. This is the range that I expect him to go. A fascinating overseas prospect, probably the second best one in this class after Sekou Dumboya, who we saw go in day two of our mock draft. Interesting. All right, let's go out to the draft room. Jeff Garcia is there for the in San Antonio for Locked On Spurs. Let's see where the Spurs will go with the 19th pick of our draft. Hey everybody, this is Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs and heading into the 2019 NBA Draft. The Spurs have a couple of needs they need to address, uh, particularly uh, the small forward position with uh, Rudy Gay going to be a free agent and likely to sign. Um, you know, he's not exactly a spring chicken uh, and not the old Rudy Gay of yesterday. The Spurs uh, do not have any depth at the small forward position. So that is the number one priority the Spurs should look at 
in the 2019 NBA draft. Of course, the dream scenario would have been if Kawhi Leonard never left San Antonio, and then I guess that position will be safely secured. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I, right now, the best case scenario is for the San Antonio Spurs to re-sign Rudy Gay, which all signs are pointing to yes. And um, hopefully they can uh, pick a player who's young, athletic, diverse, and can defend. That was the Spurs' biggest issue last season is perimeter defense, especially at that wing position. And going into the uh, Locked On NBA 2019 mock draft, I had only one guy in mind, and and I was just thankful that the player was available at number 19. And fortunately, he was on the board. And with the number 19 pick, uh, the Locked On Spurs selected uh, Rui Hachimura uh, from Gonzaga. Hachimura pretty much uh, fits the bill exactly what the Spurs need, uh, at least in a young athletic wing. He's 6'8", 235 pounds. He can play uh, the small forward, power forward position. Nevertheless, he's long, he's athletic, he's a smart decision maker, and he just has a versatile skill set, something the Spurs desperately need at that position. At Gonzaga, you know, he showed his uh, length and that uh, he's able to defend and protect the rim and get to the rim. I think the Spurs need that attack kind of mentality out of a player uh, heading into the new season. He's very good at running the floor. He can finish on the break. And he has a 7'2 wingspan. And, uh, of course, the usual intangibles. He has agility, speed, and solid leaping ability. I think the Spurs can benefit from having a guy like Hachimura land on their plate come the real 2019 NBA draft. Well, Hashimura finally goes the not-yet-refined Japanese uh, player. Interesting life story as well, kind of the intermixing of races inside Japan, something that's happening more and more with some of their athletes, as we saw in the tennis world with Naomi Osaka. Let's see what Jeremy Wu has to say about Hashimura. I think this is a good value for San Antonio here. I think they'd be thrilled if he falls. Uh, I don't think on draft night he'll make it this far. I think he's pretty safely going to go in that back part of the lottery. But, uh, you know, Hachimura is the guy with, you know, pretty impressive physical tools when you put him up against the rest of the guys in this draft. Uh, you know, very tough to stop going downhill. Uh, was very effective at Gonzaga this year. Was pretty efficient. Uh, and, you know, continues to sort of expand his offensive skill set. Uh, you know, you're checking him and you're banking on, you know, continuing to develop his face-up game. You know, hopefully he becomes sort of a face-up four. Hopefully he gives you a little bit more rebounding and defensively uh, he could be pretty versatile uh, but I think it's a work in progress um, and so he's a guy who I think analytics models don't like uh, but I think a lot of you know guys who have watched him continue to want to see him uh, come away liking him and uh, yeah the, again the answer is usually somewhere in the middle um, so I think it's great value here for the Spurs and you know you could see him develop into uh, a good you know complimentary scorer uh, at uh, the four. Brandon, I'm intrigued by Hashimura. He played with so much talent. He does seem to me as a guy who, if in the right system, and San Antonio is usually the right system, has a skill set to be developed. You you trust him in San Antonio more than almost anywhere else, I think, because of the way that they've been able to maximize limited players, not ask them to do things that make them uncomfortable necessarily, and uh, play through their strengths. I think Hachimura is a guy you're going to have to do that for early on. And, you know, a comp for him is Rudy Gay. And we've seen San Antonio make the most of this back end of Rudy Gay's career. You hope he reaches a little higher with that 19th pick. But 
Uh, Greg Popovich is the man to maximize talent for sure and uh, develop the more refined skills. I think it's a great landing spot for Rui. I am not a fan of the theory that he just is learning how to play. He hasn't developed yet. The old Jordan Hill theory that when Jordan Hill was the ninth pick of the draft, well, he just started playing. I actually believe more in the Gladwellian 10,000 hours concept that you need those 10,000 hours of basketball to understand the game and feel the game. Does Hashimura have that 10,000 hours? It doesn't feel like there. there's certain mistakes he makes on the court that feel difficult to really just develop out of him. He doesn't read the game well, especially on offense. He's very much a black hole type of scorer that just looks to shoot. Um, San Antonio is going to try its best to take those habits away from him, but there is a track record of a lot of players who never avoid that. You think about Michael Beasley, maybe even Rudy Gay himself. Boston is on the clock with the 20th pick of the NBA draft. They traded the 14th pick to acquire Anthony Davis in our ZipRecruiter NBA mock draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Challenging it is challenging to hire. It is harder to draft NBA players and get it right at this point of the draft because ZipRecruiter makes this easy for you. They make it much easier than the job GMs have. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applicants come in. ZipRecruiters analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get quality candidates through the site within the first day. You can do the same for free. Go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. The smartest way to hire. Coming back, the Boston Celtics, John Corrales, Jay King, are in the draft room. Let's hear what they have to do with the 20th pick of the NBA draft. Tyler Hero out of Kentucky is part of our plan on Locked On Celtics to build around the Anthony Davis trade. I am John Corrales here to explain this selection. Basically, I'm looking for, at the 20th pick, a guy that can contribute right away, if possible. I know this is tough. It's tough to get a guy at this spot, but Hero and his shooting really appeals to me here at 20, still available. We need guys off the bench. We need somebody who can spread the floor. We need a guy who can catch and shoot when Anthony Davis is getting double teamed or if Kyrie is driving and dishing. We need somebody out there that can catch and shoot. So Hero, to me, at that point, is the best shooter on the board. I know that he struggles coming off of screens, but catch and shoot, he's been pretty good. He has a quick release, and I think he'll be confident enough in his shot to get that shot off against closeouts. So, And then he can also get out on the break. He has a, a pretty good feel for cutting back door when uh, guys are overplaying him. If there is a scenario where they are afraid of his shot, if he builds himself up to that point, he can cut back door. He's a smart player. Uh, he can finish. Uh, I, I feel comfortable with the possibility. I don't know that it's going to happen, but comfortable with the possibility that this kid can come off the bench in 10 or 15 minutes and hit a shot or two. And that's what the Celtics are going to need because with Anthony Davis, with Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, those guys are going to draw a lot of attention. So Boston needs shot makers. To have Hero on the board still at 20, I feel good about that. 
and I, I feel like he can develop into a decent defender as well. So he's going to be a guy that doesn't hurt. That's the biggest thing. A guy who can contribute and doesn't hurt you in the course of 15 minutes. You never know. Uh, maybe he can be better, and if he's not good enough, then the Celtics will have to turn to other options off the bench. The way this roster will be constructed after an Anthony Davis trade could make things interesting, but we're not going to rely on Hero to be a contributor this year, but I'm very hopeful that he can be. And again, it's that shot, it's that tantalizing jump shooting that really makes him the pick at 20. Tyler Hero out of Kentucky's got some interesting numbers on the board. He was in the 87th percentile finishing in transition. He was in limited pick and roll action, but he was in the 98th percentile, 70th percentile in pure spot up, 56th percentile in unguarded catch and shoot. A lot of interesting numbers on the six foot six freshman from Kentucky. Let's hear what Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated says about the kid from Kentucky. I think Boston would be thrilled to get Hero here uh, at 20. Uh, I think he's a guy who will end up going higher than this on draft night. Uh, and he is one of the more dynamic perimeter scorers in the draft. Uh, you know, there aren't a ton of great shooters lying around in this draft, and there aren't a lot of them who are as young as, as, as Hero is. So, you know, you look at him, he's got the size. Uh, he can hit tough shots. He's tough. Uh, and I think, you know, he proved this year at Kentucky that he, he was more more than just a specialist. Uh, you know, he... He's not a great defender, but he competes and he fights on that side of the ball. Uh, I think it, there's enough optimism with him as an optimal, you know, he can be an optimal playmaker. He can make some some good little passes. He can, you know, he's always a threat to pull up. And so there's enough going for him offensively, you know, to take him and think you know, we can turn this guy into a, a useful uh, backcourt player. So at 20, I think it's great value, uh, and uh, I think Boston would be thrilled if he fell this far. Brandon, two of the expected guys we thought would be taken are there. P.J. Washington still on the board at 21 with Oklahoma City, Boston, Utah, and Philadelphia all sitting there, though I have a suspicion that the hymns trade bell is about to be rung. There seems to be a lot of talk going on around things. Uh, what's your thoughts on Hero to Boston? Great fit if they're if they're building out that roster around Anthony Davis and gunning for another you know title run next season. Hero is going to be a guy who I think you know maybe similar to the impact we saw from Landry Shamit this year as a rookie, somebody who will be plug and play, just knock down spot up threes. Probably the best one of the best shooters in this entire class. All right, back with the picks, and we actually are getting word of a trade right now. We'll find out more about it in a second. Dallas has moved into the 21st pick with a trade with Oklahoma City. We'll give you the details when we come back with more on the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ring the bell for a Hims trade. That's right. If you get traded, you want to make sure you can perform at your ultimate level. Hims is your one stop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. One in five guys suffering from ED, but it can be treated. Over 25% of new ED cases are guys under 40. So here's the deal. The first month is just $5. We'll get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. Restrictions apply. See website for details. For could cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy, go to forhims.com slash locked five that's forhims f-o-r-h-i-m-s dot com slash locked five for your special deal the trade that has just come in the dallas mavericks have acquired the 21st pick as well as dennis schroeder and andre robertson in exchange for tim hardaway jr justin jackson and the 37th pick 
of the NBA draft. So Oklahoma City's clearing some space there, though they do take the Tim Hardaway Jr. deal. What's your quick thought on this one, Brandon? I don't think Schroeder's the guy that I would have expected them to move, but I think we can imagine some of the trade talks that the Thunder were having to get off of this pick in exchange for some salary uh, relief. Maybe the Steven Adams and others weren't as desirable, but I think getting off of the Robertson contract has to be a victory after his injury uncertainty. So fascinating trade. It's not one that I expected at all. And now on the clock with the 21 first pick, you know, the Dallas Mavericks. Let's jump over there and find out from Nick and Isaac who they took with the 21st pick of the NBA draft. Thank you, David. I'm Nick Engstead of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And for the third year in a row, the Dallas Mavericks have made a trade to get into the first round of the draft. The biggest need for the Mavericks going into this draft was defensive talent. We really wanted to get another young piece with upside, as well as maybe shift a couple of these pieces around that we didn't really like the fit of. And so we decided to make the trade to Oklahoma City. We sent them Tim Hardaway Jr., Justin Jackson, and the 37th pick for Dennis Schroeder, Andre Roberson, and the 21st pick. We pretty much looked at this trade and said, okay, well, Tim Hardaway Jr. is making $20 million this season and $18.9 million as a player option next season. And we looked at his fit next to Luka, and theoretically, Tim Hardaway Jr. is an awesome fit. You want another shot creator. You want a guy that can hit a shot. But he only shot 31% on catch-and-shoot threes in Dallas last year. We just didn't really like the fit. We didn't really like what we saw from him. It was just way too much money for a guy like that. And we didn't want him taking up a lot of the shots from from Luca and Porzingis. And Justin Jackson is a good wing. I'm glad in real life that the Mavs haven't traded him yet, but he's not the defender that the Mavs really needed. And it was hard, but it, it was necessary to make this trade happen. And then the Mavs get Dennis Schroeder, who's making $15.5 million this season and then $15.5 million the next season. And he's more usable than Tim Hardaway Jr., in our opinion. He played better next to Russell Westbrook than what I expected. And also, he's just insurance. If Maxi Kleba, who's a restricted free agent, if he ends up leaving, because Dallas has to have a German player on the team. It's just, I mean, it's just in the CBA at this point. It just has to happen. So he might not be a better theoretical fit than Tim Hardaway Jr., but we believe and we know that he's a better player than Tim Hardaway Jr. And so that's one aspect of this trade that we really liked. We're also getting Andre Roberson in this deal. He has a $10.7 million contract that's expiring And last time he played a full season, he was second team all defense. So maybe he comes in with the Mavericks, with their training staff that's well-renowned in the NBA. He makes a comeback. Maybe Carlisle can use him in a different way than Billy Donovan did to maximize his potential. He can cover up some defensive lapses that Luka has. And then with Luka and Porzingis both being excellent shooters, maybe that can also limit his offensive liabilities. So we liked the potential and the upside of a risk like this. And he's an expiring contract, so they can just cut ties at the end of the season if it doesn't work out. Overall, we're only cutting into our cap space this summer by about 3 or $4 million, and that was worth it for us to get the 21st pick and jump from 37 all the way up to 21, especially since P.J. Washington and Grant Williams were both still available. If neither of those guys was available, then it would probably be a different scenario for us. And if the Mavs really need to get to a max cap slot this summer to get a big free agent, then they can stretch Courtney Lee's $12.7 million and do some other things and move some stuff around to make that happen, if it really needs to happen at this point. So with that being said, with the 21st pick in the draft, we chose P.J. Washington, the 6'8 forward with a 7'2 wingspan. We loved his shooting. We loved his passing, his defensive potential to defend smaller guards and forwards and eventually fit next to Porzingis and Luka in a small ball type lineup. We really liked his potential and saw him as a better player in the long run than Justin Jackson or whoever we were going to get at 37. So that's why we ended up making this trade. We liked the players that we got, and now we'll send it back to David. 
So P.J. Washington finally gets taken off the board. Branding has been talking about him the whole time, our NBA draft analyst, Branding Clean. Let's find out whether Jeremy Wu is a P.J. Washington fan as well. Jeremy Wu, SI.com draft analyst, giving us the breakdown of every player after they're drafted. So P.J. Washington, I think, would be a good value here at 21. Another guy who, you know, man, I'm going higher than this on draft night. Uh, This is a good value here at 21. Uh, He, uh, you know, brings a lot to the table. Uh, Despite being a little bit smaller for uh, for a power forward, he he moves well defensively. He's a good finisher. Uh, He's really improved his jump shot to where you're hoping he can be a stretch big. Uh, And he rebounds the ball well for his position. And I think everyone was pleasantly surprised just with the leap he took as a sophomore. so it's going to be fascinating to see which of the three Kentucky guys get picked in what order, right? He could be the first one off the board. Uh, I think this is something you may look to see Oklahoma City do with this pick on draft night. You know, they may have to trade 21 uh, and attach salary to, you know, try to get closer to being out of that luxury tax. Uh, so I think that's totally something that's in play for, with this pick. Um, and I think, you know, for Dallas to come in and get a guy like TJ who, you know, can step in, you know, pretty early on and, and be a fit with, uh, with Doncic and what they have on the roster, uh, I think I think it's solid. And we're getting word of another trade. The trade deals are going down. Another Hims trade that gives you another chance to go to fourhims.com slash locked five. That's fourhims.com slash locked five. We'll give you that deal in a second. It sounds as though Boston and Phoenix have made a deal. Brandon's active. Even while on the booth here, he's making deals. Uh, let's. Uh, but first, you're a fan of PJ Washington. Why, Brandon? Just a guy who I could see playing in big minutes, in the playoffs, in the modern NBA. He can defend four or five, potentially even three. As you mentioned previously, a great shooter, great spot-up shooter, and decent playmaker, a guy that's underrated as a passer, just feels the game really well on offense and has the size to hold up defensively on multiple spots on the court. Well, this deal that's coming down right now that rang the Hibs trade bell will not be able to be announced until after July 3rd. Fourth, the Celtics have traded the 22nd pick and in a pending sign-and-trade deal to the Phoenix Suns, Terry Rozier will move from Boston to Phoenix, so Phoenix finally gets their point guard. The 32nd pick, the former fourth pick, I believe he was, Josh Jackson, future Bucks first-round pick and a protected 1-7 through 7, 2010 pick and an unprotected pick all going to Boston, so Boston gets out with another unprotected pick. Why would anyone do that, and why would Phoenix ever trade any more unprotected picks after the way Roger, Robert Sarver has taken their franchise up and down numerous times? Brandon, uh, you were a part of this deal. We'll go to you in the war room in a second. We'll let you get over there, but first, let's go to John Corrales, locked on Celtics, and find out how the Celtics feel about acquiring Josh Jackson and multiple first-round picks. John Corrales here of Locked On Celtics. Here's the deal with this trade at 22. It's Terry Rozier sign and trade to Phoenix along with 22 to get in return Josh Jackson, the 32nd overall pick, and Milwaukee's first round pick from next for next season, which is protected one through seven and unprotected in 2021. It's going to convey unless something horrible happens to Milwaukee. So a low first-round pick next year. What we're thinking here, first of all, Phoenix comes to Boston with the idea of trading Jackson. They want to get away from Jackson. They've had enough. We in Boston do not have salaries to match his $7 million. The only ones we have left after the Anthony Davis trade 
is Jalen Brown, which obviously we're not going to do. But here's where it gets ambitious. Terry Rozier is a restricted free agent. And if Boston signs and trades him, he will be a base year compensation guy, which is a complicated little nugget in the collective bargaining agreement. It actually works to our advantage. So we're going to pretend that Terry Rozier is interested in the Suns and is not going to negotiate with everybody else, that he has gotten his feelers out and he's willing to go to the Suns to be their starting point guard. The base year compensation thing from Boston's perspective is when you sign a guy to a raise of more than 20% for a sign and trade, this is the only scenario where this happens, if you sign a guy to a raise more than 20% for a sign and trade, which we're doing, his outgoing salary, we only get to count half for salary matching purposes. So why this works is we sign Terry Rozier to a multi-year deal that starts at $14 million or so. Could be like $15 million, whatever the number is, somewhere in that range that gets him paid, gets him a three-year deal, gets him to a team that wants to have him as a starting point guard. Because we can only use half, we can only take back a player that's making about $7 million, which happens to be what Jackson makes. So in this scenario, that works out. We'll take Jackson. He is still on a rookie deal. He's got one more year on that before a, tr- a team option kicks in. So Boston can try him out for a year. See if a change of scenery does him good. See if a more stable franchise with better leadership can kind of calm him down, keep him in check, get him in line. If that happens, then great. They pick up the team option the following year, and then they can figure out his own restricted free agency in two years. What do they get? Potentially, best case scenario, a wing scorer. For a guy in Terry Rozier, in our scenario, with Kyrie coming back, making the trade for Anthony Davis, Rozier was gone. We were not going to match any of those salaries. He was gone, so we turned nothing into something. And even if he doesn't work out, that's fine. The 22nd pick in this draft doesn't mean anything. We'll take that second rounder, and we'll take a late round pick next year. It all kind of works out in the wash for the Boston Celtics. But again, best case scenario, Josh Jackson is a potentially explosive scorer. He's a guy that can come in off the bench and give the Celtics 25 to 30 minutes and become a scorer in this scenario. Again, we've built the Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving Celtics, and now we have a guy that could, if it works, and we're hoping it works, be a powerful scorer off the bench. And that's something that this team could really, really use. But again, if it doesn't, then so be it. Maybe they flip him for and consider him an expiring contract. Maybe they use him as a trade chip somewhere down the line. Or worst case scenario, they just don't pick up his option. He becomes a free agent next year. And that's it. You weren't going to use Terry Rozier anyway. If you lose Josh Jackson, not a big deal. So an interesting flyer. Again, in real life, it's a very difficult trade to pull off at the deadline. It kind of requires some back-channeling stuff. But for the sake of this exercise, the base year compensation thing, which is a weird quirk, it actually works to the Celtics' advantage. So we used it, and hopefully it works out for the Boston Celtics.
Celtics have Anthony Davis. They've drafted Tyler Hero. They've now made this deal. And now the Phoenix Suns, who earlier tonight grabbed Brandon Clark with a six-pick, are now on the board. Let's find out what Brandon Clean, who has now jumped over with his buddy Evan Sittery, and find out what they've done in the Lockdown Suns war, uh, draft room. Surprise, everyone. The Phoenix Suns are back on the clock here. We actually traded up to the 22nd overall pick with the Boston Celtics. Made a surprise move up here to get Grant Williams out of Tennessee. He was kind of the guy we were hoping that would fall 32 overall, Brennan. But if you wanted to explain to everyone out there why we made this trade, because not only do we get Grant Williams, we believe he's going to be a, a rotation piece at power forward long term and a great thanks to DeAndre in a 22. We also got our point guard of the future. Yeah, we did. It was uh, something we were looking at really just just the part of the deal to move up. And Williams was somebody we targeted. And then talking to the Celtics as Williams was was falling, we targeted Boston as a team, obviously, with multiple picks in this draft who might be interested in in moving. And then earlier in the mock draft, they go out and get Anthony Davis. So they are trying to fill their roster with uh, you know older players, guys who can contribute right away and carrying all the rookies didn't make a ton of sense. So the trade ended up being uh, Terry Rozier and Josh Jackson as part of a larger larger trade. So Rozier goes to this comes to the Suns, comes to Phoenix our way. Boston gets Jackson, the number 32 pick this year, and the first round pick that the Suns owned from the Bucks, which is pr- protected 1 through 7 next year in 2020 and unprotected in 2021, meaning it's it's basically a 2020 first round pick. So uh, the Terry Rozier stuff, not to get too into the weeds with the cap situation, but he will be extended upon his arrival in Phoenix, which means this trade won't officially happen in this hypothetical world until June 30th after the moratorium lifts for free agency. But we can consummate it now. And that's what we did. We went out and got our point guard early. Yeah, we came out with a deal that's going to be around four years, $52 million, going to de-escalate over those four years, which I think is good for both sides there. And we, we personally think Rozier is not the best option out there, but with what was on the table, thus being Grant Williams as well with Brandon Clark, I think it's a home run of a draft for the Phoenix Suns. And we should explain to the listeners out there as well, because the Suns did just draft Josh Jackson two years ago at the top five, number four overall. Why are we getting up on Josh Jackson so soon? I think you should answer that one. I think you've been a little higher on Jackson over the course of his time here. What made you feel comfortable moving off of him just uh, two seasons into his career? I think for me, it's just Kelly Oubre. Once he arrived in that Trevor Reza trade last year, he really proved himself as a long-term piece. It sounds like from all indications, both sides don't get an extension done very quickly in free agency. And also McKilbers too, maybe real, very confident doing this as well, because it seems like, he ha- is everything that we thought Josh Jackson would be. He's the one who can play make. He's the one who always makes smart decisions. He has the length. He has the shooting touch. He can shoot from all three levels. If he gains more strength, which looks like he has his awesome, if you look at pictures of him, I think it's exciting to see the possibilities of what McHale Burris could be in a larger role. And I think Monty Williams is going to empower McHale Burris in a larger role. And I think you agree with me, Bren, that really if we keep Josh Jackson around, he's unfortunately already tears in his career is never going to be more than just a role player in Phoenix. It doesn't. It doesn't look that way. Um, I think they've given him every opportunity to prove that he could be more, and he hasn't done that. So I, I don't feel really too worried at all about moving on from him. And you know, the Suns were able to get here a point guard with you know 
double the salary of Jackson, but as you mentioned, we wanted it to be de-escalating. We thought Rozier was comparing, you know, his salary and his age, a pretty solid fit. So the other part of the deal though, we, you know, is the focus in the most part here is Grant Williams. Uh, What, what stood out to you, Evan, about Williams combined with Brandon Clark, who was our sixth pick, the Sun's own pick, and kind of the rest of this core? I think it makes an awful lot of sense because playing more off Mikhail Burris, I think it's just the prototype kind of guy the Suns are looking for in this rebuild, the pair of Devin Booker and DeAndre. And you have to have smart, high-Q basketball players. And that's exactly what the Suns did here with me and you getting Brandon Clark at six and then trading back up, getting Rozier and Grant Williams to 22 overall. I have Grant Williams actually number 11 on my board overall. So when I saw him going down into the late teens here, I think we were both in agreement that we should start taking some calls about trading up because I think he's a guy, if you include Brand Clark in this too, we're not going to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. We're going to let him walk. Really, they have all of a sudden a really versatile rotation at the four and five spot. And also Clark could play three too if you want to. I mean, since he's only six foot seven, he's only 207 pounds from the combine. And I feel like he could play three Grimlings, could play three too. You have a very versatile guys who make smart decisions and they can really play both sides of the ball. And there's some upside, I think, on the offensive end with more so with Grant Williams than I think Brandon Clark. I completely agree. I think the flexibility was what stuck out, stuck out to me as well. I think we saw kind of how how versatile this roster was at times last season and how that really felt like it could be a strength when you have a combo playmaker like Devin Booker as well, and, and a guy who's pretty big for his size at that spot, as well as, you know, DeAndre Ayton, who's a very mobile, you hope he can shoot, he kind of can do it do a little bit of everything on either side of the ball and he'll continue to grow. So we, we, we noticed that and we wanted to maximize it, but we knew that we needed to get more size on this roster and we feel like the Suns will go about things the same way. So Grant Williams is a guy who can play, make, can shoot, can post up on offense. And then defensively is really where his bread and butter is going to be. I think he's somebody who can contribute right away. I mean, I could see him no matter where he ends up, but assuming in this case that he, he you know, he's on, he's on the Suns, in this mock draft, like he's a guy who's going to be able to come in and play right away. And that excited us as well. Uh, the Suns have, James Jones has mentioned that the Suns could look to do this. So this part of the reason we were doing it as well. They could jump up into the back of the first round using some of their other assets if they find a guy who they think fits kind of their their timeline as well as, you know, the skill set that they that they need. And we know power forward was a massive hole when Trevor Reza and Ryan Anderson both kind of didn't pan out last season the way that the Suns had hoped. So this draft, I think to me, checks both of those boxes while not sacrificing any of that versatility that we saw when the Suns were at their best last season. No, there's definitely high fives across the world right now. After getting Brandon Clark, getting Grant Williams as well, adding in Terry Rozier to the mix, not only did they kill two birds with one stone, the Phoenix Suns, but I think three because they get very versatile duo, Brandon Clark and Grant Williams in the front court to go with DeAndre and Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges long-term, but they also get their point guard to go with Devin Booker for the next couple of years and Terry Rozier and a reasonable contract as well. So the Phoenix Suns are locking in their pick here, the 22nd overall with Grant Williams to go with Terry Rozier via trade. And they take Grant Williams with that pick. Jeremy Wu, sportsillustrated.com. And it gives the analysis of Grant Williams. This is a complicated trade. I'm not going to parse every angle of it, but I think, you know, if you really love Grant Williams, I think this is not too high to take him. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people you'll find around the league who would love him enough to grab him at 22, uh, just because I think there are some 
just concerns with upside with him. Uh, but certainly he's proven that he you know has a chance to be a pretty valuable role player. You know, he's a really smart player. Uh, he's tough. He's physical, despite being only six seven or six eight. So you know, he's probably going to be limited to playing the four. Uh, but if his jump shot comes around and he's able to knock down corner threes, uh, it'll go a long way to just getting him on the floor. Um, you know, Grant is an impressive decision maker. He's an impressive person. You know, teams have loved him in interviews. You know, he's really smart. I think all those things matter, uh, especially in this range of the draft. And, um, you know, if you have, again, you have to have sort of a plan of how you're going to use him. You know, not every team is going to, you know, have a fit like that in, in their system. Um, but I think, uh, just the intangibles, you know, you bet you're betting on him finding a way, just figuring it out to the point where he can be on the floor. And if he's hitting threes and moving the ball and rebounding and, you know, making the little winning plays, and I think, you know, it's a pretty good role player. So again, you gotta really love him and take him this high. But uh, I can see why, you know, if you're on the optimism side, why you do it. Wow, Brandon, I'm noticing a level of skepticism from Jeremy Wu on both of your picks today. Yeah, Jeremy and I are not getting along, apparently. I, we targeted in this draft, knowing the the, the recent history of the Suns, uh, part of which is represented in this trade, sending away recent number four pick, 2017 number four pick Josh Jackson. We targeted guys who uh, felt the game, played played intelligently, uh, great defensive players. We, th- we really liked what we were able to do to upgrade the defense Probably both guys who could have been available later, but as we've mentioned ourselves talking through this mock draft, uh, not a lot of guys who really stick out as must-haves, so we felt comfortable doing that, and Grant Williams is a guy who about as high character, high IQ as they come, and excited to uh, imagine what he could be like with his sons. Well, Utah Jazz are on the board with the 23rd pick. We're getting word that they're going to ring the Hymns trade bell. Hymns getting a lot of action right now. We'll come back, find out what that trade is next when we continue on the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If you want to follow all of the Locked On NBA experts on one site, go to Locked On NBA Net on Twitter and Instagram. Get the Locked On NBA Net Twitter and Instagram follows for you on the your social networks coming back with the Utah Jazz 23rd pick, though they've made a trade and Philadelphia with a 24th pick. So the Utah Jazz have traded the 23rd pick to the Sacramento Kings with Jay Crowder for Neiman Bielitsa and the 40th pick of the draft. And the Sacramento Kings are now on the board. That is another Hymns trade deal, which means you can take care of one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. The first month is just $5. When you start for 5 bucks, while well, supplies last and subject to doctor approval. Restrictions apply. See website for full details. Cost hundreds if you want a doctor or pharmacy. Go to hymns.com slash locked5 for hymns.com slash locked5. And I am the Locked On Jazz host, so the explanation of the trade here is that the Utah Jazz were trying to find shooting some way, somehow. Original conversations with Cleveland for Kevin Love did not materialize as they were holding on to Love and wanting two first-round picks for Love when, frankly, I think they're going to have to be giving up first-round picks to move Love before it's over. Other possibilities were Doug McDermott in Indiana 
offered in this deal. Etwan Moore with the Pelicans was a possibility. And finally, the Bielitsa deal went down. And uh, there are rumors from various reporters on this deal that the Utah Jazz actually butchered this deal and that the Etwan Moore deal was approved later after they had already accepted the deal for Bielitsa and Moore probably superior player. But Bielitsa gives the Jazz better shooting at that four position as well as an extra year on the contract without uh, while actually helping the salary situation if the Jazz try to become a player in the free agent market. And they move from one of the better shooting fours from one of Jay Crowder, whose intangibles are endless, but his shooting is not. And that was the justification on the Jazz deal. Brandon, uh, what's your thoughts on what the Jazz did moving out of the 23rd pick and the Kings moving in here for the, twi- er, moving in here for the 23rd? I think it's smart of the Kings to get back in the draft. You know, they need to add to their young core, so that is a smart move on their part to get involved here. Bielitsa, a guy who was not a consistent part of the rotation for them last year, so uh, good use of assets, I think, for them. And the Jazz, I was surprised Derek Favors wasn't involved in the trade. Well, we'll see whether they pick up Derek Favors' option on July 5th or not. Favors uh, was not one... Kevin Love deal probably involves some Derek Favors conversations to make salaries match, but the Jazz do increase their shooting for a guy who started 72 games last year for Sacramento, but Marvin Bagley certainly their future piece. Let's go back to the Kings war room. Matt George has the 23rd pick of the NBA draft. What is going on, Locked On Podcast Network? My name is Matt George. I'm the host of the Locked On Kings podcast and a Sports 1140 KHDK radio host in Sacramento, California. And here in Sacktown, we're still buzzing after what was the best season for the Kings since 2006, if you can believe that. 39 total wins, finished in ninth place in the Western Conference. However, unfortunately, the longest tenured playoff drought in the NBA continued with the Kings missing the playoffs this year, but that is something they are hoping to and next season. In order to do that, though, they need to have an effective offseason. Two biggest areas of need for the Kings. Rebounding, rim-protecting big man, and a backup point guard. If you were to ask me about a dream scenario, it's going to come in free agency, and free agency is really where the Kings uh, are expected to make the biggest moves and make the most noise, and that's something that they've struggled to do uh, in years past, hoping to to break that mold here and, and bring a couple players in to fit nicely with the fun young core that they have established. Dream scenario is signing Patrick Beverly as that backup point guard and signing Dwayne Dedman as that backup center or maybe even starting center at times that can help space the floor, rebound, and protect the rim. The draft wasn't too enticing for the Kings this year, to be honest, and isn't too enticing for me. One, because we know it's a relatively weak draft outside of the top three or top four. And two, the Kings don't own their first round draft pick. It was the final piece uh, of a really bad trade that the Kings made with the Philadelphia 76ers a number of years uh, ago. The Kings draft pick belongs to the Boston Celtics. Luckily, it was the final pick in the lottery, so it doesn't sting that bad. I personally was okay with the Kings not having a draft pick in the first round this year. Now, they do have three second rounders, uh, but I was okay with going through the drafts, taking three second rounders. Maybe, hopefully, one will make the roster and the others uh, will stick with the G League teams, and, and that would be that. However, I was approached by the Utah Jazz with an interesting trade scenario. The initial offer was the number 23 pick for Nemanja Bialica and the number 40 pick. I thought about it, ended up not being too interested because all in all, the 23rd pick, I'm not expecting 
a superstar to be available uh, and someone to be available there that can immediately help the Kings achieve their goal, which is making the playoffs. Then the Jazz came back and added Jay Crowder to the mix. And Jay Crowder is a player that I really, really like. I think he's undervalued and underappreciated in the NBA. And he fills also another major need for the Kings, which is perimeter defense and also small forward depth. So with Jay Crowder added into that deal, I decided to pull the trigger. The only thing about Jay Crowder that I don't like is the fact that he's owed $15 million over the next two years. Unfortunately, I had to say goodbye to Nemanja Bialica, who fits well with what the Kings try and do as a good floor spacer and when he's on a phenomenal three-point shooter, uh, fits in well with Fox and, uh, and the Kings offense. However, the Kings are really hoping that Harry Giles is going to step up in a major way and get a lot of minutes either as a starter or off of the bench this next season, which ultimately would push Nemanja Bielitsa out. Uh, So taking a little bit of a gamble on Harry Giles pulling the trigger and making this deal. Like I mentioned, the Kings have three second round picks. So being able to package one of them to move into the first round is certainly not a bad thing. So what to do with the number 23 pick? The Sacramento Kings are selecting Admiral Schofield, the 6'5 senior out of Tennessee. Now let me start this off by saying we are aware this is a reach. Schofield is expected to go around picks 32 to 36, which is very early on in the second round. However, many in Sacramento, myself included, were extremely hopeful that Schofield would fall as far as the 40th pick so the Kings could scoop him up there. Seeing as how it is a weaker draft and that the Kings are not really looking to use that 23rd pick or any late first round pick to solve any major issues issues. The options out there just aren't that enticing. I'm okay with reaching to get a player that I know I'm really interested in and that I know could potentially be a great fit with the Kings in the future. A great defensive player can help with that perimeter defense in the long run. Also a good shooter. The best case scenario for Schofield is that he turns into a better version of Jay Crowder. So to be able to bring him in, have him learn from players like Jay Crowder, maybe spend some time in the G League over the first season or two, and eventually work his way into a consistent rotational 15-20 minutes a game, great defender off the bench who can also help space the floor. That is what you are hoping for with a player like Schofield. I'm also a big fan of drafting juniors or seniors because they are more NBA ready. I think Schofield has a more NBA ready body, and he's going to be capable of battling with all the grown men in the NBA. So the Kings acquire Jay Crowder with the 23rd overall pick. They draft Admiral Schofield. I'd say that's a pretty good draft day for Sacktown. Admiral Schofield is one of the, like Grant Williams and some others in this draft, these kind of interesting, what I would almost call Byron Houston, Gary Trent types who used to not have a position in the NBA that now do. Let's see what Jeremy Wu has to say about the Tennessee Volunteer. So Sacramento coming up here for Schofield, you know, to get him, they might not have had to come up this high. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that's the move I would have made. Um, but, you know, Schofield is another guy who uh, he brings a lot to the table in terms of intangibles. Uh, you know, he is a worker. Uh, he certainly has worked himself into a very good player. Uh, you know, physically, he's strong, he's tough. Uh, and uh, he hit the spot-up shots. Uh, yeah, I think the big questions with him is just, you know, defensively, how versatile can he be? Uh, is he too big and heavy to guard you know, the quicker wings in the NBA? Is he tall enough to guard power forward? I don't know. He might not be. And uh, the other thing is, I think if you watched him, you know, sometimes he has some trouble getting to the rim, um, which I think is not a great sign for uh, a small forward. Uh, but 
you know, surely again, there's enough working in his favor where if he continues to put the work in, he can certainly provide value to the right team. Uh, and I think, you know, this may, he'll probably go lower than this. I think he's probably more of a second round guy uh, at this, at this juncture. But again, if, if you, if you love the guy and you're picking in the twenties, you know, you're just hoping you get the right role player on a good contract. And I think that's what you're, you're seeing here. So three major deals going down on today's part of the program. Sacramento did the last one with Utah. The Celtics traded the 22nd pick in Terry Rozier for Josh Jackson, a 32nd pick, future pick, first-round picks, and took Grant Williams. Dallas acquired P.J. Washington after trading uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Justin Jackson, and the 37th pick to Oklahoma City while also getting Dennis Schroeder and Andre Robertson in their deal. And that leaves our final pick of today's show. The Philadelphia 76ers are on the board. And Keith Pompey gets us back into the 76ers draft room. They're focused largely on free agency, but with the 24th pick of the draft, let's see what they do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Locked On 76ers. I'm your host, Keith Pompey. Hey, back for the uh, NBA draft edition. So there's a couple things that we want to talk about before we select the player that the Sixers are going to take with the 24th pick. You know, the main question is, what is the Sixers' biggest need? Right now, the biggest need for the Sixers is not the NBA draft. You know, really, if you really want to be straight up, the thing that the Sixers need is to reacquire Tobias Harris, reacquire Jimmy Butler, and J.J. Redick in free agency as a way for them to try to complete what they couldn't finish last year, and that's make a, a run to the NBA Finals. So that's number one on their plate, right? So that's the biggest need. So right now, is when you ask, is there a dream scenario for this team in the draft? Yeah, the dream scenario is for them to get a guy, draft a guy who basically could come in right now and play immediately as a reserve, a rotation guy, a guy who can knock down shots, you know, a guy who isn't going to be upset because he isn't the focal point, that he isn't the man, a guy who could play some solid defense for him. But, yeah, someone who is, you know, older, you know, not a project. And what I mean by older, someone who's like a junior or a senior in college who was a junior senior in college this past year, you know, he's he's kind of developed, you know, he's ready, NBA ready, but he's not a young guy, not a one and done, not a project, not someone who they're saying down the road he has a lot of potential to be great, but it's going to take them a while. Now, when it comes down to big decisions, right, the big decisions that the Sixers are going to make right now are do I go after a wing or do I go after a guard? Because, you know, you need a lot for this bench. Or do I go after a center? You know, there are guys like Eric Paschal from Villanova. You know, he's 6'7", 245, 250. You know, he played the post, but he also has guard-like skills, and he's impressing people. There's another guy by the name of Cam Johnson. He's 23 years old. You know, he was a fifth-year senior, you know, at North Carolina. He transferred from Pitt, 6'8 wing. You know, he can bury a lot of shots. 
His range is limitless. He can also play quality D. And he's, like I said, he's older, he's more mature. And then you have a guy by the name of Carson Edwards. You know, Carson was a junior at Purdue. Um, He was a lethal scorer, kind of like the Allen Iverson mold. He's, you know, a pretty good guy. The problem with him is he's a little on the small side. You know, he's six foot with his sneakers on. And I know you do play basketball on sneaks, but he's six foot with his sneakers. Now, he does have a six, six wingspan, but he's a small guy. And I don't know if he could basically come in and fulfill that role as a guy who takes a back seat. You know, he's a guy that really wants to have the ball in his hands and score. Right now, they don't have any really trade possibilities, or they do, but nothing worth, um, you know, moving up to, to take. So with that being said, with the 24th pick in the NBA draft, the 76ers will select (laughs) Cam Johnson, swingman, out of North Carolina. And the reason why they're going to take Cam is for the things I said before in regards to Johnson. You know, he's a guy that's 6'8". He has great three-point range. The Sixers need some shooters. He'll blend in nicely. He's older. He's more mature. And the thing is, most importantly, he can play right away. And there's a huge mutual interest. The Sixers have been invested and have been scouting him throughout the all season. They like what they see. He loves Philadelphia. He's from Pittsburgh. He has family in Philadelphia. He has family in uh, South Jersey, a suburb of Philadelphia. So, you know, this is a great fit. He'll he'll mesh in well with Ben Simmons. He'll mesh in well with Joel Embiid and the guys that they're trying to bring back. And with the 24th pick, again, the Sixers take Cam Johnson out of North Carolina. Cam Johnson might be the best shooter in this entire draft. Cameron Johnson was the 97th percentile in spot-up shooting, 65% effective field goal percentage, and 72% effective field goal percentage on all catch and shoots. That is a pretty good shooter to go with some talent on that team. Let's hear what Jeremy Wu has to say about Cameron Johnson. I love this fit for the Sixers. I think they'd be pretty happy if they could walk out of the draft with Cam Johnson, you know, just being where they are as a franchise, you know, hoping to re-sign Butler and Tobias Harris. Uh, If they can get those guys back, you know, they're going to be pretty close, you know, to, or they're not going to have a lot of financial flexibility, right? So then you're hoping that this pick can give you uh, you know, somebody you can plug in early on. And Johnson, being older in this case, uh, is actually an advantage because I think even throw him out there, he's not going to be phased by, you know, having to play in the playoff games. And, you know, he's certainly proven he can hit spot-up threes. Um, you know, what else will he give you? That's what we'll see. Um, but I think this would be a great situation for him, just being able to, being able to play off of, uh, you know, stars who are going to create space, create other shots for other guys. Uh, I think it's a pretty great scenario for him. So I like this fit for sure. I think this would be uh, a good choice at 24. A dizzying day here on the Locked On NBA podcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Get your free chance at the exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. And so Brandon, uh, Hashimura goes 19, Hero goes 20, PJ Washington 21, but to Dallas. Grant Williams went 22 to Phoenix. Uh, Schofield went 23 to Sacramento. Now Cam Johnson at 24. What's your thoughts on the day? 
from a fit perspective, I think Philadelphia has to be thrilled to get Cam Johnson, as you mentioned, and just an incredible shooter, feels the game really well on offense. You watch him, you kind of get reminded of somebody like Clay Thompson, the way he can buzz around the court as an off-ball shooter. That, if you saw the 76ers in these playoffs, feels like something they could desperately use off the bench. I think from a fit perspective, that might be my favorite one, despite it falling all the way to 24. And then I think P.J. Washington, just getting him at 21, has to be a victory for the Mavericks. A lot coming for you tomorrow, but first, Josh Lloyd is over on the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Desk. Let's find out what he thinks about picks number 18 through 24 and how they'll impact the fantasy world. Hi guys, it's Josh Lloyd here from Locked On Fantasy Basketball looking at the next bunch of picks in this Locked On NBA mock draft at 19. The San Antonio Spurs selected Rui Hachimura. Uh, It's hard to see Hachimura playing a pretty big role in his rookie season. He has some significant limitations as a player as well. I'm not massively high just on this pick in general, but his fantasy prospects are relatively low. He is relatively efficient, can shoot the free throws well. A lack of defensive stats, a lack of uh, three-point shooting, or at this point, three-point shooting. Uh, not really a great ball mover. He doesn't have massive fantasy potential. We know that rookies in the Spurs system barely play. We've seen it with DeJounte Murray and Derek White this season, Lonnie Walker, even though he had the knee injury. We're just not going to get much impact from these guys in a front court that already has Jakob Pertl, Davis Bertans, and of course, LaMarcus Aldridge. So Hachimura in this situation, or really any situation where he gets drafted in the first round, is unlikely to be that good of a fantasy option. At number 20, the Boston Celtics had Tyler Hero. They're an excellent shooter. We don't know in terms of heroes. So many players coming out of Kentucky have their abilities limited in that Calipari system. Can Hero do more? Like... um like a Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, obviously not quite the same prospect as those guys, but they flashed a different skill set once they arrived in the NBA. But the ability for Hero to come in and be a guy that can bang in threes and do it at a high efficiency clip is something that will at least give some value in those deeper formats. The Celtics roster could look dramatically different by the time the... um. By the time the regular season started, and of course, in our mock draft, they've already acquired Anthony Davis. So losing Tatum and Smart in that trade, there is an opportunity there on the wing for someone to come in and be a bit of a scorer and and, and a shooter at least. So that that is really helpful, and it does fit that role. Hero does have uh, limitations in his overall fantasy game because of those lack of numbers outside of three-point shooting. At number 21, it was a trade here with Dallas acquiring this pick from Oklahoma City. PJ Washington comes in, a guy that's quite undersized, played a lot of center in college, not going to be able to do that most likely in the NBA. Um, a little bit hard to see him as being an elite fantasy guy. Again, the defensive stuff is okay in terms of numbers, but an inefficient shooter who doesn't really move the ball well, not a high-volume three-point shooter. He can score at a decent enough, enough clip, but not a player that's likely to impact many fantasy leagues, especially in his initial season as a rookie. At number 22, we had uh, Boston have this pick, but they traded that along with uh, Terry Rozier to Phoenix in this mock draft, and the Phoenix Suns select Grant Williams with this pick. Now, Grant Williams is a guy who I really, really like. He can fit in, in in Phoenix with an opportunity there at the power forward position. He's a guy that shoots the free throws well. He's got to work on his three-point shot, no doubt about that, but efficient from the two-point two range. He uh, is pretty solid with his steal and block numbers. He can move the ball a bit. He's a strong rebounder. He can score. I really like him as a fantasy prospect. 
prospect and this opportunity for him is great. In terms of those guys ahead of him, Washington Hero and Hachimura in this little group of players, Williams is by far the number one fantasy prospect. In fact, out of these uh, all of these six picks we're doing here in this segment, Grant Williams has the potential if his minutes were to push up and he's in that great opportunity for those minutes to push up, he could be a, a top 150 player for at least stretches of, uh, of a, a season, whether that's this season or in the next two years. Really, really like this pick. I think it's a steal at pick 22. At pick 23, the Utah Jazz traded that pick over to the Sacramento Kings, and the Kings ended up selecting Admiral Schofield. I, I don't particularly like Schofield as an NBA uh, caliber uh, prospect. Uh, he's obviously you know, really you know, strong and chiseled, and you know, has that look of a Marcus Smart type player, but he doesn't have the sort of fantasy upside as a Marcus Smart guy. Poor free throw shooter, not a great uh, shooter from the field, low steal, low block numbers, not a passer. Uh, he can hit the three, or he hits threes at decent volume, but in terms of his overall fantasy value... And and on this Kings team with De'Aaron Fox, with Buddy Hill, with Bogdan Bogdanovic in that backcourt, the minutes just aren't going to be plentiful for Schofield at any point this season or really in the future. That'll wrap it up for this little uh, little six-man uh, six, six man set. Oh, no, we've got one more to do. My apologies. Number 24, we're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers. Giving, uh, getting that selection of Cam Johnson where you could debate that he is the best shooter in the draft. Uh, one of the older prospects in the draft, but we know the Sixers, they made all these win-now moves last season, so they're getting another guy to come in and uh, add to that. Wing depth has been a problem for them. They could be losing guys like TJ McConnell, but pr- replacing someone like McConnell who would play alongside Ben Simmons and not be able to shoot with a guy like Cam Johnson, who is one of the better shooters in the entire in this entire draft class, if not the best shooter, I think that really works out. Like I mentioned for Hero earlier on going to the Celtics, someone like Johnson coming in and hitting, like Landry Shamet did for Philadelphia last season, hitting two threes a game in like 17 minutes. That's something Johnson can do. He had a decent enough steal rate. He was very efficient from the field and from the and from the free throw line. I think that he's got some strong value in this group of players as a fantasy guy and could have that value similar to what Shamet was able to do for the Sixers last season. Just in terms of his three-point shooting ability only. That'll wrap it up for this segment here, actually wrapping it up this time, uh, on this Locked On NBA mock draft and uh, six picks to go. So uh, stay tuned and listen to that tomorrow. So the final day of our NBA mock draft is coming up. Chicago is, uh, Portland, excuse me, is sitting at 25, but in heavy trade rumors with Chicago. So we'll find out what happens there. Orlando has moved into the 26th spot with a deal from Cleveland happened earlier. Brooklyn gave up the 27th pick to Charlotte, Golden State, San Antonio, and Milwaukee. We'll wrap it up and some decent players. Who are the names left on this board that should be interesting to see what happens tomorrow, Brandon? Keldon Johnson, another Kentucky guy. Uh, really falling right now in our mock draft and out there on the internet, as it seems from most draft analysts. So he's the guy, where does he land up? Uh, does he get on a good team and have his career take a different direction or, you know, kind of what happens for him is what I'm looking at. All right. That's where we stand. The 25th pick of the board is on the board. It will happen tomorrow on the locked on podcast network. This has been the zip recruiter locked on NBA mock draft. Go grab your local NBA, your local favorite NBA team and get their locked on podcast by just telling your smart device to play podcast locked on your favorite team.